Good day, listeners. Jonathan Darty here with another edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. Pure Sex Radio is produced by Be Broken Ministries. Be Broken's mission is to help men, women, and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and equip others to do the same. Our guests today are Jorge and Denisa Suarez. They are marriage counselors and sex therapists, providing therapy together and individually to couples as they overcome infidelity, sexual addiction, a lack of intimacy, betrayal trauma, and intimacy disorders. In this episode, Jorge and Denisa share about their ministry to couples around the world struggling with all sorts of sexual brokenness and pain. They bring incredible nuggets of wisdom and truth that have helped hundreds of couples experience healing and discover the hope and beauty of full restoration. Whether you are married or not, this episode will help you understand key elements and principles that will help couples rebuild a marriage affected by sexual betrayal. Learn more about Jorge and Denise and their ministry resources for couples at cci.counseling.com. For more resources, visit BeBroken.com or check out links in today's show notes. And please rate and review the podcast after listening to help others find it. Now, let's dive into today's conversation with Jorge and Denisa. Well, all right. Jorge and Denisa Suarez, how are you guys doing? We're doing amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us in this, uh, in, in this uh, podcast. We are, we're excited. This is amazing that we can actually get to speak to other lives and marriages and, and speak truth. Yeah. Well, welcome to the program. You know, um, I had learned of you through Denisa being on uh, Julie Slattery's podcast with Authentic Intimacy, and I just loved uh, your transparency, Denisa. You were so honest. <laughs> about you know what it is to kind of uh grow and learn and be bold as a woman of faith uh, in this space of dealing with sexual brokenness issues and so i wanted to reach out i wanted to then i learned about the fact that you guys do marriage ministry together and i said i've got to have these guys on the program and talk <laughs> about how do you how do you rebuild a marriage after there's been sexual betrayal but first uh, for our audience to just get to know you guys, can you share a little bit of your story and background and kind of what ultimately got you into this space of ministry? Yes, we'd love to. Actually, um, <laughs> you know, people ask, especially when we're talking about betrayal and rebuilding marriage and affairs and all of that, um, has that been the story in your marriage? And, you know, some people get a little disappointed when we say it's ha- it has not been our personal experience. However, Being Dominicans, Latinos, you know, coming from that culture, um, we both came from broken homes where betrayal was the daily bread, where um, that was what was presented to us as a normal way of living. And when we became Christians on our own ways, when we knew about Jesus and had that encounter, we said, "We, we don't want these families we have. Jorge was, I didn't even know him at 15. I was 15 um, and I had made the same determination. I don't, this is not what I want to repeat when I get married. So I think from there, God already put in our hearts a seal for, it's got to be my way. It's got, there's got to be a better way than what you've seen. And even when we started dating, we had such high standards and boundaries and thirst, like reading everything. I mean, we wanted every information available so that we could um, preserve marriage or try to model what the Bible was teaching us about how a marriage should be. 
funny funny fact for you guys this is this is i think it's i think it's interesting <laughs> uh we would back in those days we didn't have enough or too many uh resources like reading resources books and stuff like that Especially that were not that were not translated into spanish um at that time we were back home in the dominican republic obviously and then uh so she started we started traveling whatever and buying resources and starting to nurture ourselves you know in knowledge well nurture herself in knowledge and then she would highlight like some of the key things that she would she wouldn't want to miss it she would uh, so it was like okay she was almost like catering preparing me for Look what we do today. I mean, we do this full time. Well, you know how guys are not the biggest readers on stuff they're not into. So relationship oh, yeah. is not necessarily the default for males. So I will leave him highlights and then I'll write notes. So at least if he read the highlights and the notes, we were good. <laughs> well, so, I love it because it's like uh, maybe a, a, tell me if this is if this is uh, right or wrong, but maybe a man won't read a book, but he'll read his woman, right? He'll read the one he's in love yes, with. Yes. <laughs> and so I if you're highlighting you stuff, you know, you gotta, he'll read that. <laughs> we, re we can read that very well. <laughs> but so now, so something that came from, from that commitment in that time that we were just dating, as we were friends, we were just getting to know our hearts. And we God gave us the amazing opportunity to build five years a foundation as a, as better best friends yeah. before we even thought about you know like making this official uh well three years and then two years dating officially and and finally getting married i think that commitment to purity to protecting to honoring uh god until we went to the to the to, to marriage i think part of i i feel the anointing the the authority that comes For our work today comes from that uh, commitment and that you know zeal for, for God's uh, kingdom and for, for to see His glory to pursue uh, wholesomeness and integrity. I think that that has a heavy weight in the work that we do today uh, uh, in sexuality. So I think uh, it's God's favor really being manifested over our lives. Well, what I love about what you guys are sharing is I think sometimes there is a sense that in, in spaces of ministry where you're ministering to people that are bound in deep brokenness and strongholds and addictions and things like that, there is almost like this unwritten code that says, well, the only people that can have any voice in helping those who are in those particular strongholds are people who have been there themselves. And I love the fact that you're saying, no, God can put a call on your life And you maybe have not traveled that same road, but you can absolutely have a voice into those people that are struggling. And, and tell me a little bit about how that works, because I think there is this unwritten code of like, well, listen, if you haven't walked in my shoes, I can, how can I listen? Why would I listen to you? Because <laughs> yes. there is kind of this creation of an us and them kind of mentality that says, well, you can't really understand. So therefore, you can't actually help me. How do you guys bridge that gap in your ministry? You're so right. And we love making this a point. Why? Because the, the reasoning behind it translates to racial differences, to ethnicities, to um, social you know, um, status, to education. What about the Holy Spirit? What about the work of God teaching you to be an empathetic human, teaching mm -hmm. you to listen To, to get to know who's in front of you and not to make assumptions. 
Because many times, even someone that has gone through that process makes assumptions that your issue is rooted like mine was. And that your failure, your betrayal, or your affairs are because you did what I did. And nothing could be farther from the truth. We're individuals, everybody with their own minds, with their own um, attractions and ways. So to us, we like making it a point. We depend on the guidance of the Holy Spirit, on the love that we find in Scripture to relate to one another, to hear and understand and get your story. Because who are we to think that we are capable of understanding all of that on our own? Mm-hmm. And I feel that, you know, that's that's one of those um, entrance, you know, like things that opens the door. Okay, I, I guess because I'm not black, I'm not white. So how do I relate to you? But you are Latina <laughs> and a very beautiful Latina. <laughs> but how, do, how do we relate as brothers and sisters for... Like my, my Dawn, for example, when we were with, uh, together doing Java with Julie, how do I relate to her story? If I'm not black, I don't come from that background. Mm-hmm. But the Holy Spirit, through my attitude of listening and, and wanting to connect, he does it. Mm-hmm. So I feel mm-hmm. that that's the key. What- yeah, it's actually one of the qualities required. If you are ever considering, if you're out there listening and you're thinking about becoming a therapist, that's actually any ministry or any other ministry that that is dealing with people on brokenness. You need to learn to listen. I think it's going to give you the key to the heart, the key to to uh, finding an outcome that is going to be beneficial and move the um, move the client closer to to their purpose. So, because this wasn't your personal background and your story of your marriage, tell us what God's call looked like. How did you get called into this space of ministry? Because, again, sometimes when you're living your Christian life and you're start you're experiencing blessings and you're kind of doing things the way God designed, there's, as the old saying goes, the world is your oyster. Like you could have any any kind of option, so to speak, for ministry, and yet God specifically called you into this area. What did that look like? And how did you guys respond to that call? I mean, other than the fact that you're doing it now. <laughs> he looks at me and smiles because it was a process. And um, I think I knew I wanted to be a sex therapist since I was like six years old. Hmm. I keep on pushing my brain, trying to think a little harder because I want to narrow it down more. And I cannot come with more than remembering a famous sex therapist in, in, in my country and remembering a lady that would drive in the front of my house. And I just wanted to be a combination of those two ladies. And seeing where I grew up now as an older person, all the dysfunction that was in my home, um, alcohol, um, a gap of, of 30 years um, in, in age difference, um, mm. abuse, domestic abuse, violence, um, all of that, I feel that the call of God was, this is the way to do marriage. This is how sex fits into people's lives. And getting to understand God's heart for that, then anything else you can do related to it, because you get the core of what his heart is. Now, Jorge was not only an, an advertising art major, but also a musician, a trained musician. And his thing was worship. And as I evolved growing and getting my degree in psychology and then the other one and then these and like we were doing lay ministry at church together for the couples. For marriage. But yes, Mm -hmm. but not professionally. I was only the only one working professionally. Mm 
But we kept on seeing how powerful it was what we were doing together that at one point God said, Jorge, you just need to go and get trained, honey. Like, <laughs> like you tell it. Well, it was it was like I woke up one day and I realized I needed to go back to school for more training to complete my master's degree. And, you know, my pastoral oh, counseling. Now I'm working on my doctor's <laughs> program. So it's crazy, busy, but but it's, it's exciting because God is definitely, he has merged our tracks. And that's, we literally received this prophetically. It's like you were going parallel tracks, but now I'm, what I'm doing is merging both of your life. Not that you were headed in different directions, mm-hmm. but now I'm putting you together in the same track so that you can impact marriages all over the world. And little do we know that we're going to get end up doing the things that we are doing. And the doors that God has opened for us is totally unreal. We, 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 we're still like poking ourselves like, are we, is this really happening? Because, uh, you know, God has been so, so um, incredible in opening, connecting us and giving us those opportunities. Like the TV show, we co-host a TV show together. She dreamed as a little girl to be that TV person that she admired. And then God is giving her her own show now. Uh, it's just an honor to really, truly pursue God's plans and, and surrender to, to his will for our lives. Yeah. So let's talk now about the the couple out there that's seeking to rebuild their marriage after there's been sexual betrayal. I've got some questions that I want to ask you guys about that. And the first one is, what are some of the key elements that need to be in place for a couple to actually rebuild their marriage after sexual betrayal? Like, what are some foundational things? Like, if these things aren't in place, you're not going to be able to get to the next step of really rebuilding. Can you share some of those? Yeah, and, and sometimes people think that we need to start with forgiveness. And even though forgiveness is part of the mix, it's not necessarily the, the number one thing. An open heart to learning mm-hmm. um, in humility is number one. Because um, how are we going to get the insight, the information, the revelation, the input from whatever is coming, from a professional, from a minister, from from the Word of God, how are we going to get that if our heart is not open? So remaining open to still, um, to possibilities, to hope, to truth, to understanding, I feel is it should be the starting point. I, uh, the word is clear when, when Jesus said, go and sin no more. There's got to be an attitude of repentance real repentance. So we often start with that when we, when clients reach out for the first time, we said, just give me your heart. Just bring your heart. Make it available. As Anissa was saying, just bring your heart in your hands and let, let God do the work because they also come from a lot of uncertainties. I mean, they already broken their, their, their covenant. They already, you know, uh, messed up supposedly their lives and they are not at a good place. They're in hopelessness, but we believe that when we join their faith and we become part of this recovery process, uh, we instill faith in their hearts, in their lives and hope. And that what helps give, at least gives them a breakthrough and, and admitting that, oh, something can be done here. We can believe again. So yeah. one thing in our approach to, to therapy and to working with people is that we hear the story, obviously, but we're not interested in finding a guilty person. And we need to 
work that piece very well because the betrayed partner could feel that we're not being empathetic <coughs> to their pain and to what they're going through. And the way that we do that is by explaining that even though we have two individuals there, our client is really their marriage. We are going to fight for their marriage in spite of themselves, which means we need to go higher than your pain, higher than your weakness that took you to betraying. Um, we need to go a little higher. I feel that that attitude is what helps us think and put in their hearts that this is a covenant for life. Nobody's going anywhere. We're going to work on this. We're going to save this marriage. Uh, but when they when they hear that, sometimes it's like a little bit of a like, well, like we're expecting that you're going to get at him or get at her and like tell her mm -hmm. all the things and fix yeah, it. Yeah, be on my side, right? I want you to be on my side. Yeah. <sighs> um, so I think it's easy. Go ahead. I, I want to ask you this in, in relationship to that. Understanding that you're trying to make kind of the marriage the client are there any things, any distinctive things, though, that each spouse needs to be doing? Like, for instance, are there some certain things that the betraying spouse needs to be working on and also the betrayed spouse need to be working on as they work together in rebuilding the marriage? Of course. Of course, there is work on both partners. That's why we don't we don't individualize. I mean, we do work individually with the husband. In my case, depends on who's the 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 betraying the, partner. The, the partner. Then we work individual with that person, but most times it ends up that both need the support because a broken person, someone who is hurting, hurting, doesn't quite know how to how to take all the bits of connection that the partner might be offering. Like they yeah, they might be them. they might be trying, they might be pushing in uh, uh, towards, and the partner is not quite ready to receive any of that, but. With the guidance, with the support, they can realize, you know what? I need to be open to the process. I need to lay my agenda on the side and, and look out for the benefit of the relationship. In the, the end, though, it requires dying to self mm. on both ends. Because even when there was one who acted out physically and took action in, in, in sinning or, you know, stirring away from the relationship, there... The, the betrayal only becomes like a springboard to make the relationship stronger after. So that's why we believe that betrayal is not necessarily the end of the relationship. It's probably one of the most it can be a amazing opportunities to start fresh and to start with all the cards on the table. Now there's nothing to hide. We are free. We can be ourselves and we can love. So on the one, two, threes, what can I do? I was betrayed or I betrayed. Um, number one, one of the things that we encourage from day one is start journaling your feelings, your thoughts, your emotions, anything. Bubble in there, vent in there, puke in there, all of it. Keep track of it so that you can look back and see where you really are at. Because sometimes we don't articulate some of those things and we don't realize how deep the wound is or... Mm. Um, in which direction is going or what we're tying it to, to actually experience it worse or, or less or, or all of that. So that is one of the things that both partners um, can't do immediately. Start jutting things down because it's always going to be helpful for you and for whoever is guiding you in this journey to restoration. Um, number two is um, when we deal with guilt because the partner that betrayed 
um, feels guilty. I did something. And sometimes the, the victim or the person that, you know, that was betrayed on, um, feels, oh, I, I'm too fat or, I didn't give him enough enough sex, or um, depending, you know, if he's the male or the female, um, I wasn't present enough. My 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 work is too consuming, and we don't want to be distracted with guilt. Guilt is a lie from the enemy that keeps you in the darkness, that doesn't allow you to move into the place of reconciling and working things out. And, and we tell people, it's not that anybody's getting away with things and, uh, oh, it's just, we're going to patch it up and it's good. No, but we don't, sitting at the place of feeling the guilt and the, and the shame is not going to bring healing and restoration. We need to move you out of that place. So meditating on the word of God and what God says about when we are at fault, when we've fallen, when we've, you know, not measure up, when we've not, you know, met God's expectations. What does the word of God say about us? So we have them um, get practical scriptures, specific scriptures to be meditating on, to, to have them at the tip of their fingers, to have the portions printed, you know, handy um, so that they start a process of like, okay, okay. So we're breaking from the um, negative cycle, um, you know, the toxic thinking and doing and at least that opens up a little bit of space for the clinician or the, the pastor or the minister to come in and, and help. And for themselves to start seeing a little bit of Jesus on one another and not just what, what hurt and what damaged. And then what's number three? <laughs> or is that part of number three? You said one, I can two, give three, you right? Three. Given number three, we, uh, part of the, the approach that we offer couples when they come in that brokenness is reteaching them, educating themselves to learn what true intimacy looks and feels like. Because mm -hmm. typically, yes. uh, based on your own experience, you come with the broken concept and definition of intimacy. It's very self-satisfying, self-seeking, self-centered. And, you know, while you are in that space, you're not ever going to be able to push through and offer forgiveness because you're not even processing through your mind, through your spirit, to your heart, uh, what brokenness looks like. You're only trying to find the guilty person who's mm -hmm. responsible for, for this. But when you learn about the art of intimacy, see, intimacy is not something that we, we are born knowing. Or that are taught. We don't know to be intimate the right way. That's why God insists for us to spend time in his presence. Spend time at my feet. Let me feed you. Let me speak to you. Speak to me. I want to establish a relationship with you because it's the only way that you're going to create a friendship. So when you come to marriage, you, you should treat it the same way. Intimacy. I, I usually take this, uh, use this example. I'm, I'm a musician, obviously. Uh, you have to spend countless hours in your instrument before you can be, be proficient at it. So uh, singing, for instance, is my main uh, instrument. I spend, I remember in my teenage years, four or five hours, like straight, vocalizing, doing this, warm-ups, I mean everything. So it's the same for intimacy. You must spend the time to learn that intimacy is a three-dimensional um, 
experience. experience. It's yeah. not just the sexual. It's not just the spiritual. It's not just the emotional. It's all of three merged together. That's going to give you the, the, the ultimate results, the ultimate outcome in your uh, connection. And what that number three piece does for us, it allows us to let them see. You see, it's not just that um, she had an affair or that he was talking to someone online. It's that you guys didn't know some things, both of you. So that immediately brings a little bit of grace for the person that has committed the adultery because, oh, we were not doing that. I mean, it's not that it's your fault or her fault. You guys have not been trained properly to how intimacy works. So they get, you know, a little bit perky and like, oh, okay. So it allows us to go in and then do the retraining, kind of. I mean, that's so, like in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. So in that regard, talk us through the very real issues of forgiveness, rebuilding trust, what does establishing healthy boundaries look like? Can you talk through some of that? Because you said while you don't focus first on forgiveness, forgiveness and rebuilding trust are absolutely essential to this rebuilding process. So talk us through how those things become engaged in this journey. Yes. Once they see the model of God, like what God intentional um, plan is for marriage, and they see, oh, we, we didn't necessarily have a blueprint like this then there's way more grace because you're understanding, wow, we were both walking on kind of like, you know, um, thinking ground, like we didn't know what we were doing. So that attitude we feel that goes deeper to a forgiveness that, I mean, obviously in the beginning they need to make a decision to forgive that is just that rational. I, I say, yes, I'm going to stay. Um, but we feel that that is kind of like at the surface level, that is just like, I'm going to stay engaged and I'm going to go through a process. This forgiveness that comes when you're understanding what's happening, I feel that comes from the revelation of we didn't have the whole story of God and neither one of us was really living through it. Mm -hmm. We find that it's a, it's a little bit more um, from a real place. And then with that, then we start teaching what boundaries should be like. We love teaching affair prevention. We love going to churches and to events and teach affair prevention because we don't teach that. Mm -hmm. And when people learn that boundaries are our friends, that boundaries protect our relationship, that boundaries help us grow and help us trust, we would be having boundaries everywhere. Mm -hmm. But we don't understand that. Boundaries seem like rules, especially when we come from a broken church that has taken such a terrible approach on sexuality, we don't want to hear about rules because that's what it sounds like. Right. But when I tell you that I, I am committed to you and I understand that I'm a human that can fall and that I will not get in a car with another man, even if he's my best friend from work, even if he's whoever, that gives you a sense of peace of my commitment, and it's explaining to you in a visual, tangible way, oh, she will not do this one thing. Mm -hmm. So we start putting practical boundaries around both partners. Everybody has to respect the same boundaries, male, female. This is not about being the man or being the woman. This is across the board how God wants to protect us. There's something important, Jonathan, I think we need to address because oftentimes we see couples working through recovery from, you know, betrayal uh, based from, I don't know, sex addiction or any type of uh, 
acting out sexually in their in their um, personal sexuality, obviously. But um, it's very easy to fall into the pattern that uh, you are not trying to you you're focusing so much on yourself that you do so much work in recovery that you often neglect the actual rebuilding mm-hmm. intimacy and marriage. Yes. So because all many of the programs that we know of out there are so like targeted. You are uh, entering this recovery process for yourself. And this is, so it requires a lot of personal time processing and, and going through those exercises or whatever they are. Uh, but what we find is, yeah, don't neglecting. So now the, the, the betrayed partner is finding a new competitor. Is this program, is this support group? And now what about me? What are you doing for me to rebuild what I'm, what I'm expecting to receive from you? So we got to, we help the couples find that balance so that they don't shift off from the main thing. While you're recovering in your personal uh, journey, yes, which is very important and crucial, you also need to remember that this is about we're two. Recovering we're recovering our ourselves, who we are as a couple. Yeah, we discovered years ago, um, because we started very much as a recovery ministry, is that you can't make the assumption that because someone is recovering from an addiction that they automatically know how to be intimate and close in a relationship. It's like those are two distinct things. Okay. You can get totally clean and sober from your addiction and still be emotionally stunted and spiritually immature and not know how to relate well. So I love what you're saying. I think that's a very important point to make. I do want to ask, uh, because we do know that even in the healthiest of marriages, there are going to be obstacles and challenges that come that try to prevent intimacy from growing. This seems to be 10 times more a realization in a couple that where there's been betrayal sexually so the obstacles like fear and doubt and, um, you know, anger, despair, disagreements, all these types of things, they're all obstacles to building intimacy. So how do you help up couples navigate and overcome those kind of obstacles that are just going to be part of the process? Well, honesty is one of the um, best policies that we can help a couple establish is that you don't need to hide how you're feeling. You don't need to keep it to yourself. You don't need to be... We need to be transparent so that we both know how to help each other and where the other is at. When you need a little bit of space, when you need a little bit of a touch, when you need me to just be there and listening. So as we go through that, we we remind couples that healing process is different for every person. So it might be that you as the betraying partner, you know that you've made a decision and you know that you've put in place some things that are going to help you honor that decision. And you feel very secure, but I'm not inside of you. So I don't, I, I cannot trust the same way that you do. I cannot have the same confidence that you do. So how, how to, to have them um, develop that empathy and not be so sensitive that you're not seeing the magnitude of my work and my recovery mm. um, kind of thing. You know, it's like, um, and, and not go to that defensive place, but actually go to the empathetic place of, you know what, babe? It doesn't matter how long it takes for you to see it. I'm going to continue doing this. I'm going to continue showing you this. We're going to go every day and every day is one more day. So that's very different than, you offend me with that because mm. I've been... So we try to help them understand that the process is going to look different and that someone that looks like it's over may have a setback, feeling like 
I don't trust you anymore. It could have been a movie they watched, a friend that got betrayed all over again. You know, so, and, and they go through all of that. So we, we try to, um, now there's accountability. So we meet regularly so that every, you know, with regularity, we can address as these things come up. Is it anger that is coming up frequently? Is it, is it fear? And what is the root cause specifically? Because it's not necessarily just the betray, the, the, that there was another woman or another man. Sometimes it's the fact that it takes me to insecurity, that, I, that I, I'm not a blonde, or that I, like, I, I don't make as much money as the man that she was entertaining does. So we need to go and reveal sometimes something that a betraying um, situation reveals about ourselves. And we need to be um, open to all of that, to working in the individual that we are. Um, like COVID, you know, like everybody talks about, oh, you know, marriages are falling apart and like COVID brought this. No, no, no. COVID exposed it. Mm -hmm. It was already there. <laughs> it was somewhere deep in there. COVID just brought the light to it. And sometimes a betrayal, that's what it does. It reveals a lot of stuff that is not necessarily related to the betrayal. And that's why we say, Obviously, we're people of hope, we're people of faith, uh, we believe in God's restoration. So we say, we, we don't want betrayals in our lives, we don't want affairs, we don't want adultery, but if it comes our way, whatever comes our way, it is going to be used for the good of our relationship. It is going to be used for the growth of our individuals. If you think about it, if you guys, uh, you guys listening, uh, watching this, if you think about the root of sinful behaviors... You could probably pretty much say that that is an unmet need. Mm -hmm. You are after something that you're not receiving, that you're not satisfying in a healthy way or in a proper way. So you go and act out and you just, you know, break boundaries in your life and, and break uh, covenants that you have made. So understanding uh, the unmet need is going to prevent you from going and looking at places that you're not supposed to. I feel that most of our couples come to us seeking help because they have landed in this place of loneliness and isolation. They are, yeah, they are married, but yet they feel so alone in this journey. And marriage is supposed to be that source, that fountain that keeps you alive, uh, sparked, energized, and vitalized, you know, uh, through the different circumstances in life. So it doesn't matter if it's, we are in, a, in the top of the mountain. We need to know that we have a witness to our every moment in our lives found in our in our in our spouse. So when that's no longer there, you're opening opportunities. So we we attack loneliness very heavy. Uh, as couple come after help, they feel that they uh, it's only the sexual that is missing. No, there's so much more. Uh, it's not just a physical experience. Yes. We 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 have to feed everything. The whole, uh, see all the variables of the equation so that we can uh, come up with a great formula that is going to help your relationship. That's why we love working uh, what we have called the three-day intensive uh, soulmate clinic. Three-day intensive soulmate. We are rebuilding soulmate uh, uh, people here, couples. Uh, something that they feel they have lost. So when they come to us, they spend... The whole weekend or whatever, we, we, we schedule the time that is most convenient for the couple. And then we get deep into the issues. We take about 15 hours minimum 
time to work with the same couple in the same week. They come to us, Colorado Springs, so we fly to them. Depends on whatever is the preference. We make it work so that uh, that time away disconnected from everything else would allow space to process intimacy from a different perspective. And, and, and without distraction. So, and to lay a foundation, a new foundation. So it is a beautiful uh, setting for what we do. Uh, they, they, it's the most beneficial approach that we have found so far in our therapy. And, and that's why I guess people keep on coming and referring, yeah. right? <laughs> well, this has, been, this has been a great conversation. And as we wrap up, I'd love for you to just give just any kind of word of encouragement to the couples out there listening that are saying, we want to rebuild. Maybe they're so, at some stage in that process, or maybe they're, you know, maybe one of the spouses is realizing, I haven't, I haven't come into the light yet. What, would, what encouragement would you give to the couple that's wanting to rebuild? And then how can folks get more information about your ministry and your counseling? Well, um, on the rebuilding part, um, I feel that the most important thing is to tell you that we've seen a countless number of couples broken, as broken as you are, in conflict, with so many different variables making it difficult and challenging um, for it to be rebuilt. But we've seen one after the other after the other when they decide, you know what? I'm not going to stop until we are healed, until we are healthy. We're not stopping until when they make that commitment, God meets you right at that place. And hopefully you'll find good sound therapy, non-judgmental therapy. That is very important. I say these days, not just that it is Christian or biblical in, in base. It's got to be a place where you can feel free to be vulnerable. Um, we all are sinners. We all fall short. Um, and we all depend on the grace of God. So there is hope. It doesn't matter how difficult it feels and, and it is in your reality. There are strategies. There are things that we can do to bring you out of that place into being a marriage that is fulfilled and, and satisfied. So you can learn a lot more. There's a lot of free resources at our website. It's cciCounseling.com cciCounseling.com. There's can, a lot of free information. You can also uh, learn about the intensive clinic there too. Uh, we, you can also reach out and look for the book that we co-wrote together. We lay a very uh, good foundation of our teaching there, uh, Divine Sex. It's the same title of our TV show, except that it's in Spanish, you know, Sex and of the Vino. And the podcast that is coming And out. the podcast is coming on both languages. Uh, after all, sex is better with an O, so hey, why not? <laughs> That's funny. Well, Jorge and Benista, thank you guys so much. This has been a great conversation. I know, I mean, I benefited from it. I know my marriage is going to benefit from this conversation, and I know that so many of our listeners are going to benefit. And, and uh, listeners, please go and uh, uh, check out their website and their resources. We'll make sure that all of that is in the show notes. But thank you guys so much for putting yourselves out there and putting yourselves in this space to help couples find that hope of what true intimacy really looks like from, from a biblical perspective. So thanks for being with us. It is an honor. Thank you. An honor for us. Thank you, Jonathan. Yeah. Well, and listeners, we're always glad that you're with us, and we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.